least on my side, I was with it. But I definitely know some teammates and some other ones like, hey, man, what the hell? Like, he still realized we got to go play him. He don't. So, like, it was, it was, it was pretty funny though, around that time. Welcome into another episode of Where Are They Now on From the Pink Seats Podcast. I'm Jacob Lane, joined as always by my good friends Vincent Lacoco and Matt McGavick. We are covering Louisville football in a unique way this offseason, focusing on the alumni who have made Louisville great over the years. And tonight, we are so excited to check off a number of boxes on this show from a first standpoint. First being the first active NFL player to join the show. Now, we've been joined by NFL players in the past. Javian Hawkins, Reggie Bonifant have joined the show, but they have been on practice squad contracts, future contracts. This is an actual active player, and not only that, but a starter in the NFL. Uh, and a guy who, when you think about where are they now, he may not come to mind at the top of, of your brain because of the fact that uh, he holds something unique in, in the fact that he transferred while he was here at Louisville. Uh, so some very interesting storylines tonight on From the Pink Seats podcast as we sit down with Jonathan Grenard, who played with Louisville in some of the, the more key pivotal years over the last couple of years. Uh, and from 2015 to 2018, uh, was incredible as a redshirt freshman and redshirt sophomore in 2016 and 2017 before going on to play at Florida and ultimately being drafted by the Houston Texans. But guys, as we established in this show, Jonathan Grenard is a Cardinal. I don't care what the what the Monday Night Football player card is going to show, what they say in his user profile on the roster. Jonathan Grenard is a Cardinal. He played his formidable years here. He uh, majority of his time was as a Louisville Cardinal, and I will forever claim him regardless of what people say. But this episode, guys, I mean – you talk about somebody being humble. I would have never guessed Jonathan Grenard was an NFL player based off of this interview. It is incredible to talk to a guy who's so down to earth and and just such a great person overall. And I'm excited for our audience to be able to hear from somebody who is is doing his thing, man. That's what it's all about getting to the NFL. Yeah, and he he mentioned a couple times in the interview. Just he's the kind of guy where if you spend any amount of time with him, just just talking to him. You'd have no idea that he even played in the NFL, let alone was a starter and was like, like a meaningful contributor for like a what's going to be a somewhat solid defense for the Houston Texans coming up. He it's it, it was really interesting just to hear his his perspective of everything that gone that went on from 16 and 17, which were was a high time for the program, to everything that went on in 18, to him in, ending up transferring and going through uh the COVID draft. It was this was one of my favorite interviews, and I know I say that every time, but he was just a really down-to-earth, really humble guy. And, and I want to say this about uh, Jonathan Grenard. Um, again, we talked about not not knowing he's an NFL player, but you, you talk about 2018. Um, the season really, in a way, kind of was uh, dictated by his injury. I mean, you talk about a guy who was coming into the season likely being an all-ACC performer, likely being an NFL draft pick, maybe first, second rounder, depending on how that season goes, and, and suffers a brutal injury that ultimately kind of decides his fate to, to leave Louisville and head on to the next step in his destination. But what I love about John is 
there's no ill will, ill will towards Louisville. There's no, you know, negative feelings. It is nothing but love. And he has felt that love from the fan base for the last couple of years as he's transitioned to the NFL and become an impactful player for the Houston Texans. And this year, along with another Cardinal, Sheldon Rankins, we talked about Will Anderson, the, the third pick in the draft from Alabama. The Texans are a formidable, formidable foe defensively this year. And John will be a big part of that. Uh, but Vince, you were a teammate of his, man. I, I mean, I know that there's a number of guys that fit that bill, but uh, t- just a li- t- tell us a little bit about what it was like being around him as a Louisville Cardinal and, and watching him from, you know, your all's younger years to being a veteran and a leader in 18, despite everything that went on. So my locker was right across from James Hearns, Devontae Fields, John Grenard, and Henry Femarua. Uh, the entirety of the D line was across that row and uh, linebackers are across from them. Uh, so, I mean, man, I've, I've literally watched John grow up from, you know, he's a year older than me, but I mean, he's just a year older than me. So just seeing this development and he's always been a phenomenal leader. I mean, this is like one of those dudes that you love to have on your team because he's going to do everything possible for the team to help us win, be it meeting with younger guys, you know, or, you know, leading a meeting maybe like five minutes early before coach gets in there or just anything really. Like John is one of those glue pieces, especially in the NFL. You know, you don't have a lot of guys like John Grenard on your team in the NFL. He's somebody that's going to willing to lay lay their body on the line for the Texans. You know, a lot of guys are out there. All right, who's going to pay me the most? You know, Super Bowl chase and blah blah blah. But to be, you know, the glue piece is awesome, and you, he's one of those guys you'll you'll never find a teammate that has two bad words to say about John Grenard. That's the kind of people that we're we're seeing through the first four episodes exist for the Louisville football program. It is a definer, a value proposition, if you will, of what sets this program apart. It's the people who play for the the team, who are around the team, um, and just the quality of character that they that they. Um, hold as individuals is really great to see. As I mentioned, John played from 2015 to 2018 for Louisville Um, over those seasons. I mean, you talk about 22 tackles uh, overall in 2016 as a reserve 48 as a backup again in 2017, Um, 15 and a half tackles for loss as a reserve is unreal. I mean, you talk about NBA per 40 stats, like this is off the charts production as a backup seven sacks overall goes on to have 10 sacks at Florida in his senior season. Um, It's just really cool to talk to a guy like this. And we are so excited to share this episode with the audience tonight uh, on from the pink seats podcast. Thank you guys again for tuning into the show. Uh, Be sure to subscribe anywhere that you get your podcast from, from the pink seats podcast, check us out on YouTube at the state of Louisville and give us a follow on Twitter can't thank our guests enough for taking time out of their busy schedules to come on and talk with us. This has been so much fun in episode four now, and this will continue throughout the off season. We'll continue to talk to, to former greats who are going on and playing in the NFL, the Canadian football league, doing things in the corporate world. It's just so much fun to get to catch up with the alumni and, and find out what they've been up to. So thank you guys again for tuning in and let's go ahead now and transition and welcome in our guest, Jonathan Grenard. We keep things moving right along on the Pink Seats podcast. And when we told our audience that we were going to have a big summer with a lot of big name guests, we weren't just saying that to say it. We, we were trying to hold up to our a promise to the audience. And we're doing so tonight with Jonathan Grenard, former Louisville Cardinal, 
and a very interesting guest for a number of reasons. Uh, NFL active starter, defensive end, uh, but also a player that Louisville fans, you know, watched apart. And I think for a lot of fans, there was a lot to kind of sort through and deal with. But this is really exciting because I know for the three of us, John, that we were all huge fans of yours. Obviously, you played with Vince, um, but the the tenacity, the energy, all of that that made you such a great pass rusher. It, it was incredible to watch on the field. And we are honored to have you on the show, our first active NFL player. So welcome in and congratulations to you for that great accomplishment that we know you're going to put right there at the top of your resume when it's all said and done. Yes, sir. I appreciate you all for having me. It's great to do it. Great to, great to, great to finally talk about some good topics. I just want to ask, first of all, how are you? How's life? I know uh, you mentioned off air that uh, that you're engaged now. So just give the fans a little bit of update of how you're doing in your life before we kind of jump in to talk about football. Yeah, life's good, man. Um, living my dream. And uh, I've been trying to do this all my life. You know, this is uh, you know something I've always wanted. Uh, and I finally got it here now. And this is a big year coming up. And as you all know, uh, I'm recently engaged. For some who don't know, I'm recently engaged uh, to my fiance who I met back in my final year uh, at Florida, uh, you know, after I departed, sadly, from uh, from Louisville. <laughs> well, um, but that was that was a great that was a great, you know, uh and then obviously about going down there. So she was a dominant and a rough, I call it. So um, awesome, awesome woman. Uh, I love her to death. So, um, and we're also welcoming my, our uh, first baby girl. Uh, in oh, September. wow. So, Congratulations. Yeah, Congratulations. That's very nice. So, yeah, um, it's exciting, man. So I'm blessed, man. I'm just excited to continue to live out my dream and, uh, and do some fun things on the way. So I, I'm sure Henry's already claimed Godfather you know, <laughs> duties and everything like that. Yeah, man. Henry, you know, he's all over. When I first told him, they were all ecstatic. So um, it's, it's exciting time. I know that the baby's going to be filled with love. So it's going to be great. That is absolutely fantastic news. Um, And it's funny, though, as I was watching your highlights and just kind of going back and reminiscing, seeing some of the players like Henry Famuera and Derek Dorsey, like you're seeing all these defensive linemen play with you. Like, man, these guys were just here like two years ago. It's crazy how time flies. But I want to start with this. Normally, we we don't start with recruiting. Everybody kind of is familiar with how that starts. But one thing I noticed about your recruitment that I don't think I knew was the crystal balls to Kentucky. Tell me about how this happened and where the <laughs> switch from you going to Kentucky can, a, a switch to you being at Louisville. Tell me how this yeah, happened. Yeah, and the, the highly anticipated story of this, uh, it was, uh, you know, as we all know, I was um, not really highly recruited out of high school. I mean, I had some, you know, I had some solid offers, don't get me wrong. Um, but as far as, you know, as the other guys, and you know, um, these four stars, five stars, they didn't have guys just knocking on my door. But UK was the number one team that, you know, the first team that I literally got a hundred letters from, you know, they did everything, you know, top notch and, you know, they really want to, you know, obviously I got offered at the spring game cause I was invited um, up there. Um, so I'm like, okay, well, you know, I think I'm, a, I guess I'm a priority. So um, at that point, you know, it was all UK kind of, you know, you Louisville kind of came into play um, because I believe they were still, you know, uh, in the state, it was a first year or second year going into uh, Petrino and Grantham um, in 2014. So I think that was the first year, obviously. Yeah. So uh, I always knew Coach Grantham from from Georgia. So I was like, well, this guy might be from Georgia. So I was like, okay, well, it's not. So Louisville, you know, I've only seen them kind of as, you know, coaching changes, you know, they might be kind of figuring out type deal, but they were in play. Shoot. So, uh, but UK obviously was still number one. So, uh, but that that definitely went up. Uh, it, it changed gears whenever I went up to uh, UK because I went to the camp, did solid in the camp, at least I thought I did. And, you know, pretty much it was almost about to be that point. Oh, I want to commit, you know, talks were pretty solid because they were the only school that were pretty much giving me any time of day. Um, 
Louisville was definitely in the conversation because I already had talked to Grant the prior coming up there and Petrino and said, Hey, I will come to the camp right after I come to you, uh, come after UK because I would decide between the two. I mean, it was at the time to decide going so I don't have to worry about going into the season. And uh, pretty much, I guess they, you would say they pulled their offer, I guess you would say. Uh, I, I probably, I tried wow. to, like, it's, it shifted gears where, um, they said, well, you know, we'll, we'll evaluate between you two guys, this and that. And they played that story. Um, and I was like, well, okay. Well, me, me and my parents, we were like, we're just going to go down, you know, to Louisville and see what they're <laughs> talking about, you know, because they talking a good tone over there. So, uh, and, and it, it didn't, and honestly, looking back on it, my mom would tell you too, we were talking about it, just the vibe didn't feel right when we went to UK. Like it just, it was, it was a great facility. It looks really nice, but overall, man, it was just like, yeah, you know, going to Louisville and then we did the camp there and then Petrino and Grantham, they seen what I could do and uh, we talked about it and shoot. Next thing you know, I'll commit on the spot. They're like, yeah, we're not pulling none of that. Like, we're, we're taking you over here. So uh, it ended up working out. So uh, for let, those me, know. let me guess, UK gave you one of those like non-committable offers or something Man, like that? Man, they were, I guess they were handing them out like like gift cards. Like, I was just, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> like, apparently I wasn't the only one. They did it to a couple other people. That's terrible. Booby mentioned something like that too in my yeah. class. Yeah, he was <laughs> like, I mean, like you couldn't even really, you know, commit like that. It couldn't. Louisville was doing a lot. I mean, it, and that, even at the time, Louisville also did, uh, they had another player who I guess committed. And if you were taking like another visit, they were like pulling offers this and there. So it's just like, it kind of, it kind of questioned wow. your commitment to it. So uh, I, I was like, Hey man, listen, I'm, I'm going to make sure I'm standing 10 toes in Louisville. So after I committed Louisville, I didn't take any other visits. I only did my official visit to Louisville. And it felt right, obviously, when I came to the city. So it wasn't just like, oh, well, I'll take Louisville. Literally, when we pulled up to Louisville, me and my mom and our family and my stepdad, rest of some, uh, you know, we were just looking. We was like, hey, this this is really nice. Like, we never even knew about Louisville until we, you know, obviously talked about Kentucky. Um, but um, once we got down there, we just said it just felt like, like, like home. It was an inner city feel, you know, obviously great people and great fans. And, uh, and it, made, it, it made the best owners. Did, were those games more personal? I know Bobby hated UK. Like, we could talk about this. This is storyline. I think it's funny. We've talked a little bit about Bobby now with Devon Thomas and with Greg Brahm. And, I mean, Bobby's been a recurring theme so far, it seems. But, um, you know, tell me a little bit about the the hate towards Kentucky. Did that – did you pick up on that? Like, yeah, man. Oh, man. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, I didn't understand how much the, how, how much the rivalry, how big the rivalry was when I got here until, you know, you talk to the people, you know, from from the fans, you know, players on the team that are from either from Lexington or from just locally in Louisville. They just say, hey, look, it's it's like no other rivalry kind of. It's, it's, it's an old school, dirty, dirty, no matter what, no holds barred type match. <laughs> and, you know, uh, as we know, UK is this old school run the football and it's going to be a smash mouth game. So no matter – what we when we played them, it was gonna be with those type of games, and and yeah, I picked up on it for sure. My my first time that I got a, a chance to actually have a, a full game at it, I let I made sure they they felt my presence. So, um, but it was fun though. Like overall, like it just added that much um, fun, fun to the game because that environment is crazy. Even though look, UK is UK, but that that environment you're going on, it's hostile now. So now it's, it it makes you it makes you get into it, and it make you feel that SEC environment, feel that. Uh, we don't usually get obviously being in ACC, so it's a good switch up whenever we go down there. But you know, when we had our times, they they came down to us. We showed them what's up. John, talk to me about uh, 2015, man. You mentioned your stepfather right there. Mm. Uh, I believe it being in those Bible studies and small groups with you, you had mentioned that before in yeah. those settings. Uh, how was that? You know, coming into your first year, redshirting, you know, mm. trying to become a young man yourself, and you know, I know you're extremely close with your mother too. So, like, speak on that for me. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, my dad, he was like pretty much the real reason I picked up football anyway. So um, just for him, he passed when I was a junior high school. So it kind of was around the time I, the offer started to roll in, like literally maybe a week after he passed, I got like my first offer from like middle Tennessee. So like, it was kind of weird. So it kind of picked up and, uh, you know, his impact was huge, but you know, um, as life goes on, you understand just how to adjust. And thankfully my stepfather, he stepped in and helped out a lot uh, right away. You know, he was there the whole time, my brother as well, as well as my mom um, and my sister, this the support system that I had at that time is the reason why I'm here today, honestly, and obviously the grace of God, but um, just a matter of, you know, having that around me, um, it made that transition much easier, obviously, going into school when you're moving five and a half hours away from home. So uh, it wasn't the biggest. I mean, I, I love moving and me being far, man. It was good to go to have a road trip out of Louisville and go to school and have fun, play ball. So um, it was cool. But obviously, you had that in the back of your head. But it definitely also motivated me to go even harder. So it was it was a tough time. But overall, it definitely uh, added fuel to what I was trying to get accomplished. 2016, 2017, that's really when you step onto the field and what I think we forget about a lot of the times where how many pass rushers Louisville had at that point, mm. right? I know Trevon Young had broken his hip and dealt with that injury in 2016, but you're talking about playing behind Devontae Field, James Hearns, Trevon when he's healthy, um, <clears throat> and a, a ton of other guys. But what was it for you specifically in, in those two seasons that allowed you to really kind of take that step forward? Um, and, and building off of that, what I think is really interesting, again, and I, th- I know our fans are really smart, but you played as mostly a reserve in both mm. years and still put up starter numbers. Stupid Tell numbers. me what that was. Stupid I mean, num- it's, no, no, not starter number. John, you put up some stupid ass numbers. <laughs> I mean, I, it was crazy. I, it's crazy. I, I mean, I, this is going to sound kind of silly when I say this, but I don't think I've ever seen a backup have that big of an impact mm. on a Louisville team yeah. defensively. But just take me through mentally for you what it's like, right? What it's like finding your confidence, how you kind of get. Uh, going in the Grantham defense and really find your home and being a playmaker consistently, regardless of coming off of the bench as kind of a six man. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm with you, number one, first of all, because obviously, you know, nobody is used to being, we number one guys coming out of high school and all that. So it was not, it was kind of a weird transition to, you know, obviously, uh, you want to be the first and, 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 and true freshman and all that stuff. But looking back on it, I was not even close to being ready to play. So um, just humbling myself down and understanding, hey, look, look at these guys that we had coming in. Because as you mentioned, Devontae Fields, James Hearns, Siobhan, you know, all these guys, they literally can rush the passer like it was no other. I mean, people forget that, you know, at that time, Louisville, we were top top 10, top five defense in the nation. So, um, you know, obviously you would like to see that translate to the NFL, but just talking about collegiate times and and that defense that we had at that time, we had a, a pretty serious defense. So um, to sit behind those guys and just soak up all the knowledge is kind of like how I modeled my game a little bit now. So uh, I took most pretty much everybody. I, I just soaked all the knowledge up. So that way, you know, when it was my time, you know, in Grantham system, you know, I had to learn quick and his system was one of those tricky systems. But once you get it, you get it. So um, it's just one of those things. Now, you got to be a critical thinker at times and think on the fly uh, or, or consequences come behind, obviously. Yeah. What kind of consequences? Well, yeah, I know how he is, is, how animated he is. I mean, it, it can go from zero to one thousand. Listen, man. Hey, oh, hey, start shaking, John. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, can, he, can, he can turn it up. He can turn it up. But it's one of those like he, he's seen and coached some of the greatest guys you know, all like literally he's when he was with Dallas, I mean, coaching DeMarcus Ware, these guys that he's seen multiple times out the year, you know, Jarvis Jones at Georgia, all these Justin Houston at Georgia, these guys that he's continuously just putting out. Um, he expects that greatness. So anytime you're out there, if it's messing up, it's like, hey, he's 
He's a different. He's a different guy. That's I, I, that's still my guy. But I tell you what, dealing with him my first couple of years, and he knows it was not easy. Look, Vince seen it too. It, it's he's a, he's a different animal. Huh? Let me ask you: Is there a relatively PG um, interaction between you that you you guys you can share here, or is everything just like R rated? <laughs> Man, it's it's, it's kind of like ninety nine percent R rated, probably about four percent, you know. <laughs> but it's 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 like so. Uh, it's kind of funny. I was the young guy around everybody, so you know, I was the freshman. You know, uh, as my as mentioned, my roommate Henry, he was a year older than me. But outside of that. Guys were literally seniors, as we know. So, like, you know, Trevon turns and feels. So, at that time, you know, he's talking to the older guys. I got to be the young butt that takes all, like, the, the uh, I guess you would say, the the, the hazing, I guess, of the coach would get to me. <laughs> so, it'll be out in the, in the game or something, and I'll be like, hey, like, I seen this and that. And he'll just, like, look at me like. And this is like, you know, in, in the late late game moments where scra- like, you know, uh, scrub minutes at the time. So I'm just getting in the end of the game. I'm like, you know, I'm doing this and that, coach, and I see this and that. And he's just looking at me like, just just line up on the ball and go, like, just be quiet. Like, what are you talking about? Like, like he just he's one of those guys that he just treats you a little bit like that, but he looks back at you and like smiles. He gets everybody else laughing because everybody thinks, you know, they sees like that it's joking, but at the same time, it's like as a freshman, you don't know it, but it, it, he he means love. So uh, it, it's pretty cool being this being in that room, dog. So it's funny. Whenever he set the playbook down in front of us at first mat drill, whenever I came in as a freshman, uh, I believe I'm just a year behind you, right, yeah. John? Yeah. And uh, you know, we get it, we get the playbook. It's pretty deep install one and stuff. And we take yeah. it back to the dorm, and me and Pee Wee are going over it. We don't understand any of this shit. Mm-hmm. Not at all. <laughs> we call Keith up and we're like, Keith, like how much of this are we going to know by the Matt drill tomorrow? Mm-hmm. He's like, none of it. He's like, you're going to get cussed out the entire entirety of the yeah. practice. Yeah. And it's going to be one of the worst practices you have ever had. Did you yeah. have that same exact experience as us? When I tell you my first time out there, so, and I'm a guy that kind of like, you know, I try to figure out everything. I want to know everything. I want to be over prepared. So, I think I got the defense down pat kind of sometimes, you know, I'll be out there. Hey, look, I'm calling this. I'm like, Hey, this, this, and that, you know, obviously my linebacker supposed to do that, but I learned the playbook so good. At least to my knowledge, I thought I'd be out there like, Hey man, like you line up here, line up here, line up here. And I got it wrong a couple of times. And it, the first time I got it wrong, boy, oh boy. And it was cause I think he got so mad because he just knew that I thought I was so right. Like he just, he was like, you know what? I'm about to just kill this man's dreams real quick. Let me just <laughs> settle him down real quick because he don't th- he don't know nothing. He don't know jack shit about nothing. So I don't understand why he's just going to walk around here thinking that he's just this young freshman. Like, who the fuck does he think he is? So I'm like, you know, I had to tone it down a little bit. But um, it was that was a tough part. Like, so like Vince said, like, you don't get it within that first year. Like, I didn't get it within that first year. It's going to take you at least a year and a half to really truly get a true understanding of the basics and then it just pile on other stuff. So that's the fun part when you get to that, but you got to get through that little, the little Rocky part of that first year. And it's, it's so, some of them don't make it out. A lot of motherfuckers hit that portal. So I definitely see how it uh, turned out for a lot of. <laughs> and, and I kind of want to go back to that 16, 17 stretch because I mean, as we all know at this point, there there are a lot of eyes on Louisville at that point. I mean, oh, most of sixteen, y'all, you guys reviewed as a, a title contender. I think you yeah. guys what was it number five in the CFP yeah. playoff. Should have been game. number four. Iowa lost on a freaking ah. field goal, man. Still doesn't make any sense, man. Yeah. I know. And then of course, I mean, we we know what happened down the stretch that year. And then in twenty seventeen, the defense was still good, but it it didn't seem like it got 
to the at times elite form that it was in 16 and you guys still ended up with a winning record but you know a lot of people that season with you know Lamar being back for junior year they wanted to blame the defense for how things how like the ceiling of that team wasn't raised what were some of those dynamics like for you hearing all that partly in the end of 16 and heading into 17 especially during that mid-season stretch in 17 where you guys what lost three or four or something like that yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, matt we lost three or four yeah it was uh (laughs) that was (laughs) vince you went to a 10 i don't want to hear it (laughs) john had that that same opportunity (laughs) (laughs) listen so so i think the 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 bad part well and looking back on it now i say yeah it was 100 percent on the defense like when you got Lamar back there, uh, it's – I'm sorry. It's just – you keep feeding the ball multiple times, something's going to happen. But he can't He can't do every single thing. So, uh, I think that transition going into that 16th season, and most people really don't know, I think the true reason why we didn't return back to that form of 16 from the defense standpoint is because Keith Kelsey was gone. Keith Kelsey was, like, literally the shot caller – of everything out there. And Vincent can attest to, like, yeah. it just was a different, like, when I came to, as when I came as a freshman, I seen him, you know, Sheldon Rankins, D- D'Lo Brown, you know, J- I mean, uh, 2-5 with Josh Harvey Clemens, Shaq Wiggins, you know, Chuck, all these guys, Stacey Thomas, these guys, Burgess, all these guys that I seen literally were the blueprint of what Louisville was trying to change into. So um, when Keith left, that kind of was like the last like era of those type of guys rolling in. So I believe like Keith is still my dog to this day. And I, people really don't understand how much of an impact that he truly had on that team. So like, I still strongly believe if we had him there, just as a Mike linebacker and he, how he just controlled us and had added that fire to us. I truly believe that may have been a little different of an outcome. And obviously injuries happened that year too. Cause I believe Jair got hurt early in the season. So, you know, that, yeah. that, that hurt us tremendously as well. Once we see that as a young team, like, okay, well, we at least got Jair back, our best guy, but you know, then that happens and it's like, well, hopes down for a lot of guys. So I believe if he was there, we definitely uh, would have had turned some shit around for sure. I mean, and if coach Grantham's there too. Oh yeah. For sure. Oh, him I mean, his departure like, yeah. too. When he left uh, and obviously coach Sermon came in, it was just completely, conservative from his side and as opposed to uh, Grantham. I mean, and the thing is, we ran a similar system and I actually benefited from it. I think that was uh, one of my best seasons uh, in Sermon's season, uh, in Sermon's defense, but just knowing like, you know, obviously the dynamic of what we're trying to accomplish, it was just two totally nine-day environments as far as, you know, intensity or as far as, you know, schematical standpoint. So, so uh, the one thing that's really interesting about your career and, and a number of guys, including Vince here, have had the same experience, and that's the three coordinators over three seasons. I know, obviously, 18, we'll, we'll talk about that here in a minute with the injury. You didn't get to kind of play in that system, um, but with 17 with Sermon, 16 with Grantham, what was that like for you? And now you're in a in a situation Similar. where you're going, you're going right through it again. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't have the exact coordinator uh, profile in front of me, but I know this is what your fourth coach in four years. So, I mean, dang near, I, I think it's like fourth or, or I think it might be five. If you want to count interim coaches. Uh, we had Romeo Cornell uh, pop in for a uh, bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is kind of my fifth head coach. So um, it's, it's, it's different. I mean, but it, it prepared me. Uh, but as we know, I got a little taste of it, which is, I think kind of good. That I got a taste of it in college a little bit um, just to be able to ad- adapt and adjust to different situations that are thrown at you, you know, facing adversity because you never know what it's going to hit. So uh, when all that shit hit, hit me, I mean, I honestly had it. That's 
it kind of just led into my decision, honestly. You know, did I want to do that again going into my final year? I mean, do I want to possibly play for another coach and another system uh, once again and have to learn and do this and not be confident? And I was like, look, at this point, that's why I had to make my decision. But, yeah, that that uh, that year of 16 and 17, well, with obviously with Bertham and Sermon, um, it was a little bit different, obviously, but, like, I, I still fall back on her. I believe that Keith was just a huge part in that, in that point of, you know, rallying the troops. And I think we just were young uh, outside in, in key positions uh, for guys to step up and rally a team like that. So, um, yeah, that's on that. And kind of building on the, the coordinator part, what is – what kind of goes through your mind or how do you react when you hear the phrase third in Grantham? Yeah, it's more like so now I, I kind of got a, a different well, the full view now when I got down well the full side of them down at Florida. So like at Louisville, yes, I think it's just because I was younger and, and or the type of guys we had, we didn't need to call much. You know what I'm saying? Like we had guys that could win one on one pass rush. We had guys that could cover one on one. So if you want to call a man, he could do that. If you want to call a zone, he could do that as well. And we can go back and go get the quarterback. But also we know he's going to send the pressure on third and third and uh anything uh and obviously he might sneak up on you get you on the first down and, and put you in negative yardage so that way he can become third and grantham with those third and long so creating negative plays was huge so when i got out of florida he uh i started to see kind of the full playbook kind of unfold and i was like okay well this is what we would have been doing if we got to you know this part and he's adding in this and that i mean it's kind of similar terminology and he added a little bit of other uh stuff add a little flavor to it but man when i tell you it, when, when when he's on it's on like I mean, it's it's it got to a point where obviously sometimes some people say it'll be it got predictable, but if you got guys that win the matchups, it can't be predictable because you never know who going you never know who can win and, and, and save them, quote unquote. But that's what us players are for. We're there to save the coach. We're supposed to make the coach look good, you know. Vice versa. It's kind of a it's kind of a you know a, a win-win relationship. So um I just believe overall that you know uh sometimes it can be depends on the player, depends on coach. It's just uh, that it just depends on that player or that system. And and like, how much more like comfortable were you whenever you went down there to Florida? Yeah, like knowing that defense, knowing you already knew it. I mean, how much more freely were you able and capable to play? And I'm pretty sure whenever you went went and played against Kentucky, I did see mm. you throw up an L's up whenever you got a sack. I definitely did. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, man, that was hey, that was that was actually a great one though, but. uh but yeah, when I got down there, it was kind of like literally the same as my freshman sophomore. I was like, oh yeah, like this is the same stuff we're talking about. Like, oh cool. So as we're in meetings, I'm kind of sitting here just like this. I didn't really have to take notes. I just would kind of help the other guys that needed help a little bit. But for the most part, he was like, look, just go. Like, you here, you know what's up. Like, just go do what you got to do this last year. And at this point, that was the mission from that point on. Um, and and it kind of just we had a really good team as well that year, too. So uh, it actually helped out that they were on the same page. This is their, I think, their second year in the system um, at the time um, with Grantham. And that was, it was like now some of the guys that came back from last year, they had a very good grasp of it. So it just made more fun to just be out there with guys that just understood what's going on and, and had the same mission. So I'm ta- I'm going to take it back. I'm sorry, guys. I got to go back good? and ask him this one. Uh, so I got to experience it right for two years being on scout defense against mm-hmm. L. I experienced a little bit against you and Hearns and Fields, and all. it sucked going up against you all equally. Yeah, yeah. You all would just long arm me because y'all are like 6'6", <laughs> six, six, and I'm 5'11". Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like it just wouldn't work. But uh, what was it like going up against L as like a true freshman? Whenever yeah. you're a freshman and he really didn't know the playbook, 
and he's just kind of out there, you know, playing backyard football, what he almost does best. Man, it's it's crazy because it's like uh, I think that I tell the story to everybody who um, that I, you know, when they ask about him is his first like one of his first scrimmages as we're freshmen coming in. And, uh, you know, you know, you got some guys, that, you know, this to, you know, you got some guys that are going to play as freshmen, some guys that play, you know, might play a little bit later, just developmental aspect. But we knew he was going to play somehow. We just knew that, you know, if he didn't learn to play but in some way, he's going to get on the field. So, um, you know, it's we having the scrimmage out there and it's live, you know, the first the ones and twos, they're not live. The threes with the uh, with the freshmen, we were live out there. So, um, you know, Petrino let us go live out there, the quarterbacks included. And Lamar was live for the first scrimmage. Like, literally, no other quarterback was live. Reggie wasn't live. Kyle wasn't live. Nobody was live, but they made sure Ed was live. So, um, kid you not, first time, Reed's on, he took it for 60. Like, I'm talking about – and it was not even close. It was like <laughs> – it was so fast. And then not even after that, they tried to make him live again and put him against the twos, I believe. And I literally see him tear some a guy's ACL. I, I was about to ask you like, if that we so we talked about that storyline and we, we wanted to know if it's true. So it's, it's true. It's a hundred percent true. I seen it with my own eyes. Oh it's, oh it's it's like the cut, the cuts are so mean to where it's scary. Like how somebody puts that much force into the ground and just redirects completely, it's unworldly. Like, I mean, it, it's crazy to see that. And 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 as we know, Vince like. You talk to him, you would never know this guy has, has done any of this. And it's like, that's, it's super crazy to see the transformation from uh, and see how his game has grown. And obviously him getting uh, his deserved bag. Uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. And most, I'm just glad I was able to be a part of it. Well, that's a great transition here. Um, so, well, not really, because it's Vince. I'm sorry, man. I told him he needs to take his PTSD medicine. I mean, maybe that might be the case for you yeah, here. But <laughs> so you transition from 2017 to 2018, and I remember that off season. Like that's the that's we're headed to the year of Jonathan Grenard. Like this yeah. is the year. He is the guy. It's his defense. Those other pass rushers are gone. I remember when I covered football uh, for another side at the point I, at that time, I wrote that you were going to lead the ACC in sacks tackles for loss. Like that was going to be a certainty yep. for Louisville. Um, take me through before we talk about the injury and stuff, take me through that off season mentally. How did you prepare for that? Like you're the guy now, like, yeah. and, but you have a new defensive coordinator. I don't know how much you were active on social and stuff at the time, but I'm probably sure that you knew some of the jokes that were going around, mm. uh, you know, talking about him. And BVG. His yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, his Camaro. Well, what's up, fellas? What's up, fellas? Smoking his Winston lights on the way to practice, you know, chugging a bush light before he walks in. Hey, man. Like, tell me what that's, that offseason was, was like. He was cool. He just couldn't coach for exactly. shit. Exactly. Right? That's, that's, that's like the best description, I would say. At least I would know. Like, when I tell you, he was one of – I learned so much – as like honestly, and, and on all jokes aside, like I tell you, he taught me so much about being a man during that year and facing adversity. So like, I have a the utmost respect for uh, BVG for sure, hundred percent. Shouts out to him. Um, but yet going into that all season, man, I was super excited. You know, I kind of heard a little bit of antics about you know the things that he came with and things like that. Uh, and obviously, I was a Falcons fan back in the day when all that stuff happened. So like, listen, I remember all the shit. So that. that 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 time was that that time was tough, but overall, like just you know, from a football standpoint, um, I was excited. I mean, that was the best shape I was ever been in my life at that time. Um, I was super strong, super fast. Like I just felt great. Like when I tell you, there was literally nothing that I feel like I, I feel like I could lift a house, I could run a mile, 
Like it just was the year after L left. You know, it was kind of it was just they they counted us out already, deservedly so. Now I'm thinking back on it, but it's like at the time it was one of those that we we went into it like we're ready to run ready to run through a brick wall. Like we didn't give a fuck. We didn't care about who we were playing. We knew playing Bama, but as we know, we didn't care. Vince was like we he, they seemed like we yeah. didn't care. Our energy was different that whole mm-hmm. offseason because we just That's knew it. everybody's like, oh, they ain't gonna be shit because they're gonna like. Of course, we understand that. That's a huge part. And that's some big ass shoes to fill that that's that, that Puma had to live up to. And that's you can't you can't it's hard to live up to that, bro. So like we just like fuck it, we're gonna take it up on uh and put on put everything on our back and just run with it. So uh it happened. And kind of building off that, one of the more uh memorable parts of that off season is when Bobby was speaking. Was he I think it was an ACC media day or something like that, where he said hey, we're gonna went, play Alabama to media day that year with Bobby. I remember yeah. that, that we're gonna play there. we're gonna play Alabama and we're gonna beat him or yeah. something like that. And Juwan's yeah. gonna be better, you know, in this offense is gonna be more balanced. Did y'all when he said that, how much of that did y'all actually did y'all believe that you because I mean not to not to say anything bad about y'all, but it, it's Bama. Nah, we can talk about that man. That shit back then, listen, when he said it <laughs> I was down. You know me at this point, I'm yeah. ready to go to the league at this point. So I didn't give a fuck who I was playing. Like I didn't care who was in front of me. I didn't care about none of that. I said, um, you put anybody in front of me at Bama, LF, it didn't matter. I was ready to play. So I, I was like, cool, I'm with it. But obviously looking at it then, it's like we had to just understand it. It's going to take all of us to do this. And I can't be the only one. I don't play offense. So I can't I can't do none of this stuff. So I know on defense, I'm going to try to hold it down and do what I can going into it. So um, I, at least on my side, I was with it. But I definitely know some teammates and some other ones like, hey, man, what the hell? Like, he still realized we got to go play him. He don't. So, like, it was, it was, it was pretty funny, though, around that time. Lucas didn't help with what he said either. Like at in the in Traeger Center, do y'all remember that one where he was talking about I'm gonna bully their we're gonna bully their D line? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And then there was a a comment about the cornerbacks not being good enough for the wide. There was a whole lot of we definitely poked the bear, John. But but here's the thing, though. So I I tell you what, and I go honest, God, true, like, and I I don't fear nobody. But just I honestly, truly see how teams instantly lose when they like when you see Bama come on the field, like. They're so uniform, it's kind of weird. It's like they're more so um, just by how well-coached they are, like the certain style that they look for, like in the, in their athletes, you know, how they're built, how they work out, like just the whole persona they give off is Bama. I could see how that happened. And a lot of that happened for us on the team. It happened for me. I know that's the damn show. But a lot of them, a lot of our team, we were done as soon as we, they walked, we walked on the field. You just like, because we had a lot of young guys, freshmen that were coming in, doing this and that. Like literally, we had true freshmen down there everywhere. So it was like, yeah, a lot of guys didn't have no confidence in their first game as being Bama. Yeah, this is what you signed up for. So they had to grow up real quick. So <laughs> hey, that was my class, John. You know what I'm saying? That was the like, selling point to my class. They were like, yeah, man, hey, they, hey, Bama in three years. They come, y'all, y'all coming to Bama in three years. I'm like, all right, cool. I can't wait. So um, I was ready to go, man. But that that there, that was a that was a that was a nightmare. I ain't gonna lie. That was that was pretty bad. I was like, look, man, that was pretty bad. So that, let's let's talk about that game because I I feel like and I, this is probably the homerism inside of me but Gigi has a sack on second yeah. down I mean he lights yeah, two yeah. up and two yeah. fumbles if I'm not mistaken yeah. I mean, there's the next drive yep. yeah. he, I mean they said I mean, early on it was like okay we're we're actually like we look good for right? sure you, again take away the injury for a second we'll come back sure. to that you go to the offensive drive 
You go to third down, but Trey Smith catches has the I wheel route it. down the sideline. He catches that. Catches that's a touchdown. It's a different game. That's a touchdown. You come back the next drive, yeah. Alabama drives down the field. But if you remember, uh, Tua gets in a very peculiar situation. He's running around. He's scrambling. And he, he just chucks the ball. He <laughs> chucks the ball and throws it. And Kane Pass gets lost in yeah. the last he, second you, and gives the touchdown up. Tua actually juked me on that play. Like, <laughs> he did, like, this weird – he juked himself. Like, when I tell you, look, people try to say, you got broke off. Listen, bro, he don't even know what he did. Like, he didn't even want to – he just was running for his life and did some crazy stuff with the football and just tossed it up. And, and the magic and a miracle happened. So um, it was like, it's tough to blame Kane. But at that time, it's like, nah, it's that was just one of those plays that only happens with Bama. So it's, it's, you had to just take that one on the chin, though. Yeah, they fumble second drive. Mm-hmm. Cornelius forces the, the, the fumble. They pick it up. And then the third drive, there's just nothing. And that's really kind of where it stalls out for Louisville. But yeah. take me through just the injury, what happened, yeah. like what you remember from that game. And then just overall throughout that season. I mean, obviously. You know, that's a season that led to Bobby getting fired. It's considered really the 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 worst season. You know, Louisville's yeah. had a couple of bad seasons, but one of the worst seasons in program history. So just sure. kind of, what was that experience like for you? Yeah, it was terrible. Uh, it was it was pretty bad, um, pretty painful and all. But uh, I, I really, truly believe that at that time, um, it just wasn't meant to be. It wasn't my time yet, honestly, looking back on it, like, uh, I truly had it set out my plan to leave. Obviously, play that full year and then obviously go to the draft that year. Um, I honestly was kind of on the verge of leaving the year before um, when I had my breakout season, you know, to kind of put my name on the back because I had some sort of buzz. I'm glad I didn't leave, but um, I had a, a lot of buzz, you know, talks that I could possibly go and get drafted. And at that time, I just wanted to get my foot in the door. I didn't, I knew I could probably withstand and with my talent, what I can, uh, could do at the time. Um, that I'll be able to make it in the league looking back on it. Um, but I say, you know what, I'm going to come back next year and solidify my status in this top defensive end and status that I want to be in the NFL. I'm um, going into the draft. So, you know, it's a six play of the game. I remember like it was yesterday. Uh, we're going around. Uh, I'm playing Sam Backer. I'm out, you know, playing on two. You know, I end up uh, playing a block, getting off of the block. I believe the running back was Josh Jacobs at the time. You know, as we know, he's still doing his thing. And I go for a tackle and I try to go. I'm thinking we're going to meet on the sideline. So, like, as I'm running full speed, I'm running as a dead sprint at an angle to run, meet at the sideline, big collision on the sideline, and get it going. He cut, he cuts up and plants that foot and goes into me. So I kind of overrun it, and he hits me in my chest, and I overrun, I try to catch myself on my wrist, and that's when I mess my wrist up. Um, literally, as it happened, I get up, and I'm talking trash because it was a big hit still. I'm talking trash, not even knowing my wrist is like completely just out of place. Like, and that, and, and I'm just like going at it. I'm like, like you would never know. And uh, I get to the next play, literally as I'm putting my hand down on uh, in the, to get down in my stance, uh, I just feel it crumble, and I was just like, oh shit, like this is <laughs> this is this is real deal. And that's the play where I believe you see um, we had a fun with that play, and D scoops it up and runs it to the end zone. But I think they called it back or something. But I literally, during that play, I just ran through the play, did like a fake spin. And uh, literally, as I seen the fumble on the ground, guys are picking up, taking off running. I'm just running to the sideline, just like looking at my wrist, like, yo, like, somebody come get me. Like, I need to get out of here. And uh, and I think Vince, you would, yeah, Vince was like, Vince, they seen at that time that, like, it was bad because, you know, when they put the, they don't even want you to see it at that point. They just put a towel over it. I was just like, 
oh no, like this, this is this is one of those type deals. So I'm thinking it's just like a regular jammed up wrist. You know, maybe I just tweaked it a little bit, tape it up, and go back in. But when I couldn't even lift my hand up, I knew it was something bad. So um, they took me out, man. And that, and by the time I tried to come back out, it was. It got a little, it got a little <laughs> ugly to say the least. <laughs> so it I was remember, pretty bad. I, I remember like you walking off this. Yeah, go ahead, Vince. That like sucked the complete air out of the team. Yeah. yeah. Like John, like I want you to know that like as your teammate, like yeah. seeing that live, I was like, it's about the same as seeing Jair go down the year prior. Yeah. yeah. We were like, oh shit, like yeah. that's that's the dude. Like the dude yeah. just went down. What the hell are we gonna do now? But like yours being more severe and being out the year, yeah. knowing what you had planned, man, that was so, awful to see as your team, man. I'm glad everything worked out. Obviously, yeah, everything yeah, worked man. out for the better and everything in Florida. <clears throat> that so, was tough, but, man. I never heard it from that perspective, honestly, because it was just more so I was in my own head and just making sure, like, like what could I do for the team? Like, you know, that was literally when I tell you that vibe, I believe is kind of another thing that would transition to why kind of I left from Louisville. Um, at that time, just because of how traumatic that was and how much I put into that season and a lot of stuff around it was just kind of not adding up, you know, to what, you know, how hard I was working um, and eventually led to me leaving. But yeah, man, that was, that was, that was tough. That was the worst one, especially me when I heard the news um, from my doc that, yeah, it was one of those you're out for the season. And I was just like, I was like, I've never heard those words before. I've never been out more than what a game or two in my life. And then, you know, the time I need at the time I'm going to be out for the rest of the season is the season that I need. So, um, but it, it, like you said, it all worked out. Thankfully. So kind of building off of that, you mentioned how you were thinking about going for the NFL draft after the season and, men- and mentioned yourself that you were, had even deliberated that the season before. And then obviously first couple series of the season, you're done. And then things kind of spiral out of control with, with Louisville on that season's loss. And then Bobby ends up getting canned. Mm-hmm. At what point during all of this going on, did you know that it was probably in your best decision from a professional and personal standpoint to enter the transfer portal? Yeah. Um, it, it was kind of like literally as soon as that happened, I had to just take a step back and understand like, all right, well, you know, you got another year to come back. We had, or I already had that in my bag. Um, but it, it was kind of like, we also knew the vibe that these coaches weren't going to be here at the time as well, too. So um, at least I seen it from the jump. I mean, I can honestly tell you then at that time, just what we were from, you know, from looking at other teams at that time, I knew we were going to go two and 10 at that time once we got hurt. Well, once I got hurt and not just off for me not being there, but I, I can see it from a different perspective. Now I can kind of take my, uh, my, my, my Louisville big captain hat off and just say, hey, okay, let me look at it from a being real standpoint and just say, hey, look, we're not there yet. We got some talent here, uh, but we're not there yet. And when we struggled to beat, I believe, uh, what team was that? I Indiana, believe it was State. Indiana State. Was that the Rangers? Indiana State. And Western Kentucky. It was Indiana State and, uh, and Western Kentucky at that time. We kind of struggled to beat those guys. And I seen like just how things were adding up. I was like, yeah, these might be our only wins. And it's not. No, not. It's just literally that's just what we were from having these different coaches come in and not having their guys that they want for their scheme. And, you know, they're just trying to find, pick up the pieces the same way we are. Uh, we weren't ready, man. And I think that was uh, a humbling experience for everybody. But obviously looking back on it and seeing it from that perspective, um, from being like another coach, I guess, in a sense, while I was rehabbing and healing, um, that this is this kind of was going a, a different route that I kind of didn't want to put myself in in that aspect of knowing that, 
I might not fit the next uh, next coach's system. Um, and then it just said it made me weigh out all my options at that time. And I knew that I could graduate in December. So um, I had everything in my in the ball in my court. I just had to just make some decisions to see what was what was next for me. Well, selfishly, John, I wish you would have stayed because in 2019, <laughs> I think we would have won like two more games with you on the squad. It's funny <laughs> you say that. I'm thinking through that. Like, what what does Satterfield and Brian Brown do with Jonathan Grenard? Like, yeah, I, so, I mean, obviously, it's not what what Todd Grantham does with Jonathan Grenard. I mean, right. I, look, man. I mean, they had Yasir, and I and I want to ask you about Yasir Abdullah because I think he's somebody that you probably take a lot of interest in watching if you still keep up with Louisville. But I mean, I don't know how they would have. I don't know, man. I think they would have fumbled the bag like majorly on you. They probably would perspective. Actually, it's crazy because I actually uh, was recruit like App State was one of my like one of the also my first offers coming out too. So Uh Coach Brown actually came to my high school when I was like a junior, like going to my senior year. Like he's known me for a minute. So my issue with him was it it wasn't an issue at all. Like I was cool with him. My system, like my body style, didn't fit that defense though. And I Too just big. knew, and, and and that's why I just kind of knew when once they were coming in, I was like, no disrespect. I just knew that I had to waste some options out. Like I'm not ruining it out, but I also know that if I do come back, it's gonna be more so just for the morale of the team. And at this point, I done put the team first so much my whole career. And like, if I do this, I know that I would just not be. I wouldn't live in myself knowing that I put this opportunity down to pass up on it down in Florida. Yeah, the okay. ultimate team guy for sure. At 18, like the dude was like a extra coach out there it was just, you know, and, and kind of on that note, and all. right right and kind of on that note what you go through the the recruitment process again and, and what was it about florida that stood out mm-hmm. to you and made you want to commit to them and kind of in the same breath who else reached out to you yeah so around that time too and it kind of made like in and in, in, in when it made that big obviously we know about the article that went out saying that i was that i was already leaving in florida you know, before it had oh, came yeah. out. I forgot about so that. It yeah, was a huge right. thing about me trying to, they were just trying to figure out like, you know, that I've been talking to, uh, to, to Grantham or Florida period in general. But at that time, I was still under the impression that he was at Mississippi State. So if anything around that time when I was going, even going into 18 season, I just had my eye on like, you know, because obviously he recruited me. So like, well, I know he's on it at State. So I was like, well, you know, if push comes to shove, God forbid, if it ever did, I would see, of course, he would be the first school that I would hit up because that's the only system that I know right off the rip. Um, so fast forward into obviously uh, going into 2018, by the time I was about to transfer, um, he was at Florida. And going into that last part of the year where I could graduate and I kind of seen how the season was going, um, I they said I could graduate in December. Okay, well, if I can graduate in December, then that means – I can hit this portal. The portal just started to get big at that point. I think I was probably one of the yeah, you were like the first big ones that kind of like, you know, that made it big to go down, you know, to another school, at least pan out, I guess, at least. Um, so that was one of those types of deals I had just way out saying, hey, look, well, if we make this decision, like it's going to be a benefit to you, but understand what you're leaving behind. So uh, it was it was one of the toughest decisions I had to make just because um I knew that, you know, of course, the Louisville fans were not going to like it. My teammates, and thankfully I talked to them. They were cool. They understood, like, what, what the whole issue was. Um, but, man, uh, it was it was a definitely a transition to get down there, and it was fun. It was a fun one, man, I'll say to, to say the least. Keep it moving right here on From the Pink Seats podcast. As soon as we get back from the commercial break, we'll do screen share where we look at the highlights with Jonathan Grenard during his time as a Louisville Cardinal and continuing to talk about his career since, including the NFL and what you can expect this season for the Houston Texans. We'll be right back. 
All right, screen share. Let's jump into this now as uh, we did in the episode with Devon Thomas. We're going to pull up some highlights here of Jonathan Grenard, and we're going to watch these in real time and react to them as we need to. I think this is my favorite part of having guests on is watching themselves. Uh, But as I mentioned before, I'm I'm not a fan of how little content there is for you playing for Louisville and how much Florida content there is. So we need to fix that, man. I'm going to have to go through and flag those Florida videos. And honestly, if you look at it, the Louisville stuff, I didn't have much because besides this year, you know, obviously if you go to, uh, I believe this is this is still, when, when this is when Grantham was here still, right? Uh, 17 would have been no, this is Sermon, No, this but... is Sermon was here this year. So, like I said, I had my biggest year with him. And if he kind of, if he stayed at that, maybe, maybe 2018, yeah, I may have had the same stats. So, let's check it out. All right, here we go. We'll dive right into it, man. As I mentioned, the music on this is great. Can't hear it. No music. Yeah. But... Oh, good. Oh, you have an elbow brace. Yeah, I was going to say, you have an elbow brace. injury, man? What's that? Man, about? that was one of the most painful elbow injuries. I thought I, I thought I snapped my whole elbow in half the way uh, it happened. But, yeah, I hated this wearing right that here. brace. Man, that brace is awful. I hate Sweet wearing that feet. brace. Sweet feet. Sweet feet right there. Oh, yeah. Man. You were not falling for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, uh, it's just crazy to think that was, what, 20 cents, what, six years ago? To ones that are older than us, they're, they're like, oh, that ain't nothing. It's like, wow, to even think about that, it's like. I played against them. I played in that game. There you go. (laughs) We might see some Vincent Lococo highlights here. This is this is right here. This is the play. They're gonna come back to that in a second. That's the the North Carolina play. The North Carolina play. Here we go. This is. I mean, talk about pursuit. Look at this, man. He gets hit twice. It still forces a fumble. I mean, that is Mm -hmm. incredible. You know, I didn't know how big that play was later on either. I was like, man, I was just out there just running after the quarterback. And the the, I love my. (laughs) Thank thank God for these hands. I know that's what that celebration was right there, man. Oh, 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 they did. Did you miss this one? Oh no, you yeah, I missed him. Yeah, this is the Dwight Freeney against Syracuse, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bringing he loves that spin move, man. He loves that. That was the first time I ever did it in the game, ever. Oh, take that, man. Ever. Oh, Kelly Bryant. This game that was so unfortunate how this game got out of hand. Oh man, man. twenty seventeen Clemson game. Yeah, that, that was, was that was a tough one. That was the one, John. We should have had oh. one. That yeah, yeah. That was, I thought we were gonna be coaching that year. No lie. A lot of sacks. Oh yeah! Look at this. Kelly Bryant stood no chance. Three technique there, man. I was at three tech. Look at this again. North Carolina. There's no room, man. This is. I just. I don't. I don't know. Like I'm not oh, with the I, chain out right there. I know. I was going to say. Was I, I was feeling myself back then, man. <laughs> you ever have somebody try to snatch your chain in the middle of the game? Never. 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 That chain it. stayed on me at all times. I, I made it through a whole season with it all. Oh man, mm. I, that is fantastic! All right, that's screen share right there. Some some incredible highlights. Like I said, I wish time, I wish I wish we had uh, some more Jonathan Grenard Louisville highlights. Uh, but what there is a lot of is we're back here on the other side now with Jonathan Grenard here from the Pink Seats Podcast. Subscribe to the show anywhere that you get your podcasts from. Uh, is the NFL right? And we'll talk about the combine. We'll talk about all the things that you kind of went through leading up to it. But um, there's a lot of Houston Texans videos and I listened mm. to you, you were mic'd up in a few games. That's incredible content, man. Yeah. I, do you, does your, do you, when you have the mic on, do you come out? Like, does this, does your personality come out a little bit more and you purposely try, or is it just, is that Jonathan Grenard, whether he has a mic on or not? I think that's kind of like, I mean, you add a little bit, I, anybody who just says that doesn't unless you just that monotone, just regular guy, like, you know, you know, dry humor guy. And you, yeah, you'll probably be like that, but yeah, you had a little flavor, but, but everybody know that's pretty much me all the time. But like when I step on that field or even just in the building, if I'm in a good mood, which is pretty much all the time, like if I'm not in a good mood, I'm just a little sleepy. Like, I'm not mad about nothing. I'm just a little sleepy. I, I, don't, I don't get out of it. I may be a little cranky, but other than that, I'm pretty chill for, for the most part and just like to brighten up the day. So 
Uh, I love it, man. That that Mike Duff stuff is fun. They get a little step inside, like our office, I guess you would say. Um, as crazy as it is and sounds, uh, but it's pretty fun. And they, and they kind of did it on a pretty solid game too. So I had a sack. So I, I went, I went triple. Speaking of mic'd up stuff, John, I got to ask you about the Bachelorette. What what was this? Oh thing? man, you took my what? thunder, man. My <laughs> wife, what? Like, what? Explain this, this, bro. What what was this deal that you did with the Bachelorette? <laughs> man, like. It's just crazy. I always look back on it like it's crazy what the league like. The, the, it could it could take you, man. Like literally, when I got that opportunity, I was just like, "This is crazy!" Like they really just asked me to be on the Bachelorette, like to to be a coach. I'm like little old me from being in this small town kid, man, and I'm about to go play ball. Like they got me out here trying to do it, like Bachelorette reality TV. So I was like, "Man, I'm not I'm not built for none of this, man." Like, but when they kind of explained the role to me, and then obviously I was like. This might be okay. Let's see what it's talking about. Because just I knew about it coming up, but I didn't know how big the show was until like when I actually got on it and how many people really watched the show and like our diehard fans. I said, "Oh yeah, I gotta get on this. Like, I, I, I gotta, I gotta <laughs> get many, a little, little TV rose? time." <laughs> how many social media followers did you pick up after that episode aired? It was, it was a lot, man. I ain't gonna lie. Like, it was. I, I got a lot on Twitter more so because obviously, you know, people just love to tweet and talk about this stuff. So they were like, just tweet me out like, you know, uh, yeah. it's crazy. This guy's on here or who is this guy? You know, I seen a lot of the craziest stuff to people who didn't know. Like, why is this guy on here? I'm on like, damn, I'm just trying to get on TV. Like, you know, like, you gotta, you gotta, like who is this guy? Like, but that was cool, though. Like, my, uh, my fiance, my fiance was cool. She was laughing at everything, too. It's like, this is cool, man. Like. Just to be out there to do all this stuff, it's just so lighthearted. And, you know, I'm a goofy kid anyway. So, really, she was more so laughing the whole time because it's like, I'm just this goofy guy everybody know. And then I have to be kind of serious at this time and say this. And it's like, look at this kid, John. Look at this dude, John. Like, what is he doing? Like, it's one of those type moments. So, uh, I think that's what I live for. I love the most about uh, every like being on that show. It was pretty cool. I, I was, you know, you talk about tweeting in, in real time. You know, that's one of the things about being married is my wife and I watch that show together. It's great entertainment. Okay. Yeah. It's a terrible show, but it's great entertainment. <laughs> and, and when you came on that show, man, I'm Leonardo DiCaprio. If you've ever seen the meme of him, like pointing at the TV, yeah. I'm like, I know him. No, I know no. him. But it's funny because you were not the first Cardinal, believe it or not, right. to appear on The Bachelor. I don't know if you know this, but Terry Rozier was also on The Bachelor. Wow, really? Back in 2017 or 2018. So you were really? the second Louisville Cardinal to appear on The Bachelor franchise. Okay, look at us. I don't think, look, I'm going to have the record right now. Well, Florida might be a little bit up there because, you know, Jesse was out there a little bit. So <laughs> that's why I was like, look, and, yeah. it, and, and it works both ways because, you know, when the first thing you see, me like, what's up, Gator? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's one of those. Like, they just always, it's kind of like how they talk. So it's, it's cool. Jesse's good, good. That's awesome, man. Well, let's talk about the NFL, okay? So you go on, you have that big season at Florida, which I don't think for anybody in Louisville that was a surprise. And and I hope for you, man, because, you know, people transfer all the time. And now it's social media. It's so negative and people start yeah. to bash players. But I feel like with you, fans always appreciated you enough to understand the decision you made, right? right. And we had the same conversation years after with Dez Fitzpatrick's dad about, you know, we would have understood if he did the same thing the year after mm -hmm. of leaving as a redshirt junior and going on and playing that final year, whether it right. be at an SEC school. You go on, you have that year, and you're ready for the NFL. It's beyond obvious. But then, you know, the season ends in, in, in December, and then COVID sets in. What was the reality like for you leading through the draft preparation? Was it any different than what you expected? Were you Was it stunted because you couldn't go into the facilities? Like, take us through that pre-draft process during COVID. The, not even just during COVID. 
you're talking about when people thought that if I just walk outside, I might die. You right, know, like right, it's right. The, Look, the height of not knowing anything. Right. It's crazy only because, uh, like, I remember hearing about it during the pre-draft process when I was like, we were warming up at uh, Exos down in Pensacola, and um, and we were just talking, and uh, Derek Brown was there as well too. Um, and we're just like, y'all hear like the TV's on, like y'all hear about this like virus, like they talk about this. It's supposed to be, you know, obviously what it is and what it's done. And we're like, we didn't pay it any, not we didn't pay it any mind, but at the time it just wasn't as serious as nobody took it. So uh, we just, all we could think about was, you know, just getting ready for the combine, getting ready for draft time, all these things. So it didn't really affect us at, at first, but uh, once we actually did the combine um, and we still didn't have any protocols at that time too, because it just didn't hit that height yet. And we were able to do it without that on our minds. We were able to do the entire combine pretty solidly. However, Literally after we got done, like off the field, like I believe after D-line got off the field, I think DBs had to do last or somebody had to do last. They even thought about canceling theirs because it kind of just started to get pretty bad. And then that's when you seen the team or colleges started to shut down pro days and this and that. So when it hit that part, that's when I was like, okay, well, now this is getting real. Like, uh, I'm so thankful that I had the chance and opportunity to do the combine because that was my only resume outside of my film. I mean, that was only the last thing I could add to my resume outside of my film. You know, uh, it was it was cool and all, but at the same time, I would like to, you know, I would have loved to done done the drills at Pro Day because it's kind of tailored to more my position, the things that I could do, as opposed to you have to go with what the NFL combine does, you know, with their set uh, drills. So. Um, it was it was pretty tough, but um, the hard part wasn't even during pre pro. I mean, pre draft process. It was really after the draft, which was the hardest part because, as we know, that was when I uh, when when all the gyms and everything started to close. So I couldn't work out. I didn't. Look, I, I hardly worked out at all. Like I, I did from at home. What I maybe had like what two forty five pound plates. I was still in an apartment with uh, like my mom. We were all still in our still apartment before I got drafted, obviously because. That was what we the situation was. So I didn't I couldn't go to a local gym, my hometown where I was at. It was every small town. So they definitely were shutting stuff down. So um I couldn't come up there if I wanted to. So I had to get it off of push-ups, sit-ups, running up the hills, running around, just staying in shape, running, trying to keep a solid diet and you know, field drills whenever I could, but it was not a consistent plan and you know, nowhere near uh what an NFL player should have been doing. So um, that just, I mean, I made it what I, I did with what I could, but man, it was rough, man. It was tough. Is it kind of funny to like, think about what you were working out as like, why, like push up, sit ups, running up hills in comparison to like how you get prepared for an NFL season now? <laughs> like, Dude, I, how... I, I think now, like, and people kind of don't understand either. Like it, it, it ties in it all. It, it all ties in when you think about it and you think about like my injuries, you're not thinking about in the league. Um, rookie year, you know, when you get drafted, 2020 is either you're a first rounder, either that first rounder you're playing, and then everybody else is pretty much their stand with what they had because you can't do anything. We, we didn't have OTAs, we didn't we didn't have you know mandatory mini camp. We only just had camp. We had fall camp, and that's it. Going into the season, oh, so man. you couldn't go in and, and get many hands on drills, plays. You know the things that we're doing now, like these coaching sessions that we have now as players, voluntary workouts. You didn't have these things. So I didn't even know what a, a structured NFL season looked like my first year. I just literally showed up for they said, hey, we're going we're just allowed to have now guys come in for camp. We need you here at the end of July. And I'm like, well, this past two months, I've worked out as much as I possibly maybe could have. And it's nowhere near the tier 
of what you guys need me to be. And it led to me being obviously not ready for the season. And I ended up getting hurt my rookie year just off of me not being ready physically. And um, I think that definitely put me behind the ball. But, you know, that's that's how that's come with it. We all had to deal with it some type of way. But uh, it definitely played a factor in it. So um, looking at it now, as opposed to thinking about what I had to deal with, man, that it would have changed. It would have worked wonders if I had just a regular um, first year. You know, it's interesting you say that when you talk about your first year and how you came in and didn't, you know, weren't quite there. Obviously, you know, we saw Des, gets, Des Fitzpatrick got drafted in the third round by Tennessee, went through camp and was cut that first year. Yeah. Was there any worry about not making the team your first year? 100%, man. Like, like it was it was not and, – and people always like, you, you drafted third round, you drafted this and that. Like, I mean, besides first round, second round, I mean, even then, like, Ain't nobody safe in this game, man. Like, <laughs> you literally got to walk up your shoulder and that thing, just making sure that, like, hey, whatever foot I just put down, it better be my best foot. So, like, it just can't be no mess up. So, to see that happen to him, it was so unfortunate, but I also understand how the game going. And obviously, being cut always doesn't necessarily mean the player is not good or something. It may not have been the best fit for him, or it may not, you know, something went wrong and it may have been better for the best, the two to split. So, I don't know that situation, but. I've seen that happen a lot in these times where you just go to the wrong team. It's not the right scheme. So, um, but yeah, man, it's, that, that thing is, it's rough, man. When you, when you, when you playing that game, because you know, you never know, it could be your last time walking that building and shoot, you gotta go, go figure out what's, what's, what's next, man. But it, it seems like you've handled the overall transition fairly well. I mean, even right. though, the, despite the fact you've gone through three head coaches now in yeah. what three seasons, because yeah. I mean, you go through that rookie campaign and then you bounce back your second year. Yeah. You 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 turn into a starter and you lead the Texans in sacks. Like, yeah. how did you expect to elevate your game going from year one to year two? Like, how did that whole process Man, go? Like, that's crazy. Um, it's more so like. You know, because rookie year, I, all that stuff happened. Obviously, O'Brien getting fired by fourth game, you know, that's – it's like, all right, well, we're back in Louisville again. So, uh, <laughs> like, I was, here, done that. I was like, all right, well, we've been there, done that. So, we – let's 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 tap back in what we had to do to get past that. So, um, that came in. It's like, all right, well, now we got to just get in where you fit in now because now there's a chance that, you know, new guy could come in. They might want this and that. So, you just got to make sure that you just still ball and do what you do at the end of the day and only control what you control. So um, when that happened, it just was like, okay, well, let's hop back on the horse and get to it. Then the next season comes up. Um, that offseason, I was finally able to have a true kind of offseason where I had some normalcy where I can lift, get back in. The, I was at the facility pretty much 24-7 working out, nutrition, you know, uh, medical staff. I was there in Houston the entire time. I just completely took advantage of those resources that they were allotted to me. Um, so, uh, that was the, the best part for me to actually feel good again and feel like, okay, well now I can, I feel like myself again. I feel like I'm in shape. I feel like I can be this guy that, you know, that they seen coming in because in all honesty, in all honesty, you know, that it was a disappointment that first year, you know what I'm saying? If, if you're going to be real from a third round pick or from a standpoint of what you want out of a guy. And as we see what these teams want out of their picks like that. It was kind of a letdown in a sense. And I, like I said, I understand. I, I knew what I'm capable of. So that doesn't bother me. I just, I'm real myself and understanding what the reality of things are. So um, I knew I had to make up for it no matter what. I got to come in with this next 2021 season with my hair on fire. And, and no matter what, I got to make the best of it. So um, that was a mission from the jump. 
So well, what did it what did it feel like to finally have that you know year and the, yeah. the weight off of your shoulders almost you know what i mean like the yeah every kid's dream to making it to that level and doing yeah. what you did john from yeah. since we all were in first grade so what did Fact. that feel like it's um it was it was good and it's like you know and that's one of the things that come with playing d-line or dn your fulfillment and your satisfaction comes from sacks. So, like, when I got my first sack, I was like, okay, like, now I'm good. Like, I know I can at least – I know at least in my mind now that I can I can do this thing in the league and, and I can continuously do this at a high level if I continue to do what I'm, prepare, you know, preparing for. So, um, to do that and then obviously go into that next year and then the sacks, you know, they come in bunches. So, when I got my – when I went on my streak to get my sack, I said, look, I'm going to just keep riding this wave until I fall off this this surfboard. So, at this point, man, I just kept going and I ran with it. And uh, and, and I tried to build off of it, obviously, last year. Um, and and obviously, the things happened the way they did. But it was just a breath of fresh air to, to answer your question back on that 2021 season, knowing that there was going to be some sort of normalcy. And obviously, Lovey Smith becoming a D.C., um, I knew there was a huge chance that I could thrive in that 4-3 defense where I could just, you know, kind of can go. First of all, are you are you fully healthy now? Hundred percent healthy. Thank good, thank good. God. And coming, heading into this next year, uh, prefacing this by saying, if you look at the the hiring history of the Houston Texans, I mean, you kind of look at some of the head coaches they've had. And there's not been a whole bunch of agreement as like what people think they're how they're going to do or like how long they should have stuck around. But it, it seems like at least from the outside looking in, because I mean, I'm a Colts fan. I'm not a Texans fan, <laughs> but it seems like the hiring of D'Amico Ryans is probably best hire of the off season. One Let's of the better coaching, yeah. probably one of the best coaching hire on paper that the Texans have made since, I mean, since Bill, the first I mean, yeah, yeah, respectfully. Yeah. Bill O'Brien did all right. I mean, yeah, since, they, okay, yeah, since they brought in, yeah, but, Bill O'Brien did all right. But, but Matt, yeah. Matt, here's the thing. Let's talk about, his attire okay he wears i mean look if i looked like D'Amico ryan's i would wear tight <laughs> tight gear when i coach too you met him for the first time and you the man still looks like he can play right now i'm saying man like, he walks he walks around the facility like he can play right now like uh and the thing is obviously i think vince or uh or jake said it once before you know bill o'brien did his thing when he was here for sure 100 like let's not forget you know that that season before you know we're literally a couple more seconds away, you know, a couple more quarters of not, you know, them, them obviously I wasn't here, but them winning the game and respectfully going to the championship. So yeah, yeah. it's it's one of those where they were at the height at that point, and obviously, well, unfortunately, it didn't pan out the way it did. But, yeah, man, uh, D'Amico, just from the energy standpoint, the type of guy he is, is seeing it around, um, it's more of like a cool, calm, collective, but it's more of a confidence type deal. Like, like he just knows, like, his stuff works. I mean, it's, it is what it is. He understands that he's, he's trying to build something that's great here. Um, he understands he has a lot of work to do because, you know, the status and, and of the Texas where it was with him. And obviously when he was a team captain of things of that sort back then when he was here, uh, he's trying to get back to that. And I, and I'm, and I'm with that. I'm on that same stuff. You know, that's, I come from winning and I, and I don't like losing. So, I mean, who plays to fucking lose? I, 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 I couldn't find nobody. So, uh, that's that's what I'm all about. And then he understands what we got to do and understand the mission that we're trying to accomplish. Uh, it just makes it that much better and understanding. And he's young too. So he can just sit here and be like, hey, well, if we're watching film or we're, we're talking about certain things about ball, he's like, okay, well, yeah, I feel what you're saying. Like, it's not so X and O and just so uh, cut and dry like people try to make it seem. It's like, well, there's 
a lot of ways to skin this cat now. We're gonna figure out to we're gonna figure out a way to do it, but you know, it ain't gonna just be this one start from top to bottom. You can go from the tail and come up to the front. So it's one of those, man. Right? Hope y'all ain't got no cats out there either. So I hope y'all like my metaphor. Oh, <laughs> I don't love that, man. Um I, I'm looking at a tweet right now from my from my good friend DJ B enemy covers the Texans for ESPN. John, I don't know if you know this, but DJ yeah. is a Louisville grad, Louisville. Yeah, I know DJ, okay? yeah. All right, so he tweeted this back on April 13th. This is a quote from your teammate. It says, I feel we're as talented as any defense in the league. Sheldon Rankins is the one that says that. How cool, first of all, is it to play with Sheldon? I know you got to play with Brandon Dunn a little bit, which you yeah. all didn't cross paths at Louisville, but still it's probably pretty cool to play with Louisville guy. Yeah, for now, sure. you and Sheldon are combining on a defensive line that's you, yourself, Will Anderson, the number three pick in the NFL draft. Yeah. Like, tell me about this defense, man. Yeah. It's um I think when you when you put D'Amico's tag or you know uh or Matt Burke, obviously our DC, you know, you put those tags and understand what they did, what he did in Philly, what he did in in, in San Fran. So uh these two combining, you know, what they what what they like to see, um, it's a great thing. And obviously, if you got guys even with a little bit of talent, you know, that this defense can make guys flourish and thrive. And I mean, that's it's how good the system and how well thought out these guys are about their system. So um, when you add these guys, you know, like you said, Will, you know, us, uh, Jerry, you know, D-Rib, um, you know, all of our team, and, you know, I had Jimmy in the back end. It's kind of another coach as well, you know, that he's him coming from uh, San Fran, Jimmy Ward coming from San Fran. He's definitely another coach back there for the younger guys. Um, and we got some talent, man, as we know. Uh, there's a lot of high expectations for us, and I think that's, that's the only way to be in this league. I mean, we're in the NFL. There's always high expectations no matter what. I mean, we're the best of the best, so – um, I take it. I take it as a good thing. I mean, it's when you have so much rider for you. Um, and then the thing is, when you have so much rider for yourself, but others don't have that same, you know, juice for you, it, it makes it that much better to where the only thing you can do is be up. You know, only only thing, only place you can go is up. And there's no negative expectation. I mean, well, there's already have negative expectations. Might as well prove them wrong. So why not? Have you had a chance to talk to CJ Shroud yet? I have not yet. They actually ain't got in. I think they'll probably get in. Um, Sometime this weekend, they'll actually probably join the team probably next weekend. Okay. Some of the weekends we do, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they got their, they still got to uh, do their little rookie mini cap coming up, um, wow. and that that'll be pretty solid for them to do. I think it's actually this weekend, I believe. Yeah, it's this weekend. Yeah, sure you got a whole bag of popcorn ready to throw in his brand new first round draft pick car. Well, we're at that shit, man. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's jump into the last segment of the show here. Rapid fire. We do this each episode. Just some lighthearted questions to kind of uh, to fire off at you here, John. The name of the game is quick. We want to. We don't need to think on these. All right. Sure. Just whatever comes to the top of your brain is the best answer, regardless of of what comes out of your mouth. Uh, so let's start at the top here. When someone says Bobby Petrino, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? Old school. Todd Grantham puts in a play call. Huge smile comes across your face. What is that play call? Oh, man. Damn. Maka. And what is that? Just you? Just oh, go? It's all so it's somebody's coming free. Somebody's coming free somehow. Can't block it. Three game meal of choice. I would say Alfredo. Alfredo. Okay. Yeah, you don't get the bubble guts, man. I'd be so worried about the bubble Sometimes guts. Sometimes I think it's me. I'm gonna go anyway. So I don't give a damn what it is. No matter what I'm going to eat, no matter what, I'm gonna get rid I'm getting rid of my bubble guts regardless. So I don't Bro, care those white pants would have me so I care, worried. Look, I don't care if Alfredo. I haven't eaten anything. It's, it's some, some it's coming out. Something's coming out. Say that. Oh He's gonna sack the quarterback and then fart on him. <laughs> <laughs> favorite uniform combo at Louisville. I asked this because Ooh. we saw a number of Jersey, different combinations. I think that's the first year where they really yeah. started to get dicey with it, man. You can just the first, the, so the first, uh, 
the video you showed, obviously, the highlight, that Clemson game, those all blacks. That was like the, so we wore black before, but that was like the first time we wore that black. Like it was like a different style of jersey that year. And I think that all black combo with the red cleats I had on, yeah, that was a, that was a pretty drippy game for me, I'll say, to say the least. Outside the elbow pad, but a uh, favorite food, food spot in Louisville? Oh, uh, man, Sephora. Sorry. Hey, oh, wow. so, Sephora is my, like, when I, I just haven't had, so it's not even just about like the quality, but it's just like the vibes we had there, the memories we had there, and it's pretty, pretty good. It's still pretty good food. Um, but yeah, man, I, I love support, man. I miss that place. Which rivalry is more hostile, Louisville, Kentucky, or Florida, Georgia? <laughs> oh, you might piss you off. You put me on the spot there, boy. <laughs> oh, you put me on the spot there, the boy. Face said it all. Hey, I'm gonna just hey. I'm gonna just have to say that Florida, Georgia is no bullshit. I'm saying that. I'm hey, excuse my French. But boy, that's a different type of vibe down there, man. You, yeah, that's Louisville, UK. Nah, hey, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm retracting because I'm thinking about the Lamar stuff on the uh, side. I mean, they threw, UK a trash, <laughs> they threw a trash can, man. Hey, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Hang a lot. Yeah, let's. I'm going. I'm gonna have to stay with the Louisville, UK one on that right. one because I'm just. I literally had a flashback of that 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 time we went up to Kroger Field and Lamar yeah, boys man. got into it on the sideline. That was crazy. That's I mean, like, yeah. I mean, you did throw up the L after sacking a UK guy as a Florida Gator. So, yeah, so that, they definitely they stuck on me a lot more for sure. And I had to go out there and uh, I actually, they actually did some dirty stuff that game. They ended up cutting me on one place and stuff. And I'm like, of course, he wanted the place far away. He wanted to cut me. So, um, I ended up stomping on their little UK stuff in the middle of that field anyway. So, hell yeah. Uh, Keep doing oh, that. Man. Man. I, that was I, pretty I, cool. See, I knew you were my favorite player. <laughs> man. All right, last one, and we'll get out of here on this. Big fan of defensive linemen, single digits, neck pad, full cage mask. But oh, yeah. the big thing is if a defensive lineman can celebrate. What's the go-to celebration after a sack? I know we saw the Freddie Mitchell, thank you, God, for these hands. But what, yes. what's the celebration, man? So now it's like weird. So I, it kind of came out of nowhere. I played that uh, when I transferred to Florida and I had to miss the sack and play Miami first game. I put my hands behind my back because I was so like, I can't believe I missed the sack. And it kind of just – Stuck with me like, okay, then I changed the meaning of it. I was like, well, if I'm putting my hands behind my back, it's like I just started shaking my head at this point because there's just no way they thought that this guy, whoever was going to block me, was going to stop me from getting what I wanted. So after every sack, you're just going to see me put my hand behind my my hands behind my back and just shake my head like just they, they still ain't learning. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that's that's just that's just what I'm always stick with because no matter what, I'm always going to be on that ladder of climbing that success. So that's just something I always want to keep with me for sure. That's going to wrap it up here on From the Pink Seats podcast. Jonathan Grenard, this has been a treat, man. I mean, it's not often Love that it. you have players transfer out and still will come back and talk about their career at a school, knowing that a lot of the time fans are like, what the hell did you leave for? For but, sure, like I man. Said, I think fans have a real appreciation for what you did here. And then the L's up in Florida really submitted. Always. Legacy, Trust man. me, that love never – you can't never leave the love, man. It's, 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 it's in me forever, dog. Like, that was – they got my heart. I graduated from there for crying out loud. Like, man, that's – that literally has my heart, and it will always be. And I'll be back soon for sure. But uh, they, they can, they can, they can try to keep me out of that city, where they're gonna see my face anyways. Yeah, and, and at the end of the day, look, you know, I know that when they list Jonathan Grenard or when you play on Monday Night Football, that you see the University of Florida. But we all know you claim Louisville, <laughs> and I don't care what any Florida Gator fan says. We can fight right now. To end it on that, for everybody who will be asking, I'm just going to say my high school, uh, just because <laughs> respectfully, I, y'all are not going to put me on the spot like that. 
and make me choose. So uh, everybody knows love for Gator Nation is gay and love for Card Nation, man. Uh, and I, I definitely am going to forever hold on to it and keep it down the middle about Hiram High School. So Hiram High School, that's what you're going to hear. Jonathan Grenard, ladies and gentlemen, John, thank you so much. Uh, best of luck this season, man. And we, you, you know, you got thousands and thousands of fans here in Louisville rooting you on, brother. For sure. Appreciate y'all, man. Thank y'all for having me, man. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.